Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, daily YouTube videos, and I'm a longtime podcaster. Also, I have metastatic stage four prostate cancer that came out of remission in January. During the 2020 pandemic, my doctors advised me to stay at home, and the Life of Fitz podcast was born. Four years later, I'm back in my cancer fight and continuing this podcast, calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I have met throughout my 35 years in this industry. And now I'm adding in some new friends to my call list. And of course, I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. Frankly, I'm shocked. It took me to the fourth season of the Life of Fitz podcast to get to Bill Snyder, probably the most monumental sports figure in Kansas history, maybe, and certainly the most monumental in my life. Outside of family and close friends, Bill Snyder impacted my life in a way that is hard to put into words. But I started Powercat Illustrated with my wife, Becky, in 1998. It was the perfect time to do so, and it was all because of what Bill Snyder had built at Kansas State in terms of a football program in his first, what, nine years. He arrived in 88, started in the season of 89. He went from the most humble beginnings, things that you can't even understand. You can't grasp now how bad Kansas State football was. There's no comparison to Kansas State football in terms of historic horrendous football it wasn't easy no it wasn't it took a lot of people but bill snyder and john weefald were at the center of this and in 98 they were going to potentially play for a national title well that's how it impacted me and here we are my conversation with the legend himself bill snyder 
So now let's call Bill Snyder in Manhattan, Kansas. Hey, how are you doing, Coach? Well, I'm doing fine. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I've been. I'm pleased to hear that. Sitting outside with the dogs, it's in the morning, and I'm still sweating. It's just ridiculous. This state. Why do we live in this state, Coach? Oh, heaven! It's beautiful out. Come on. Uh, So, how have you been? What what's what does Bill Snyder do on his daily rituals now, post coaching? I'm fascinated by this. Well, it's nothing to be fascinated about, I can assure you. I am uh, sitting in, I have a little office in the upper level of our home, and I'm sitting there looking at a stack of to-dos, which is uh, covers uh, uh, probably about 400 sheets of paper. So, How many of these are from Sharon? Uh, zero. Wow. Is that another list? (laughs) It is, uh, (laughs) things that I've, uh, accumulate over a period of time and some of it I've put off and some of it, uh, just, uh, normal happenstance. It it is not quite under sheets, but (laughs) that's an exaggeration. Feels that way. Um, uh, first of all, thanks for the note. I'm, I continue to be amazed by your handwritten notes. For everyone listening, Coach sent me a note about my weight loss, which was very kind. Um, How many of those do you do a day? Uh, Well, uh, I don't know. (laughs) uh, uh, There's no set, uh, uh, you know, amount or number. It's just uh, if I receive something that uh, I think uh, warrants uh, a return, I... uh, I send uh, whatever it is, a note or otherwise. But, uh, you know, it's just a normal daily routine, I guess. That's that's amazing. Um, and, and before we go any further, yeah. I want to ask a question. Mm-hmm. I had thought that I had sent you some information about a product called a Fire Plus. Yes, and I, I do have Did it. Did I do that? Yep. Okay. I have, I have actually bought it, and uh, I take it. Uh, I've had... I've had some stomach issues related to my most recent radiation. So I've kind of like, Oh yeah. Try to find the right mix of, I take so many vitamins and supplements and let alone Mm -hmm. the medications that the chemo pills they have me on, which kind of shake me up. But anyhow, uh, I kind of have to adjust my medicine to not want to throw up all day long. So, um, but I'm, I'm getting that behind me. It's taken me a number of weeks to, after my radiation treatments on my stomach area for the spread, um, mm-hmm. it's taken me quite a while to try to get back to normal. And then I had three treatments on my throat, um, neck. Yeah. Now, you had throat cancer, right? Uh-huh, yes. Did they make a mask for you that pinned you to the table? Uh, I have that around here someplace, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I take it that you're not claustrophobic or it's not really claustrophobia I have. It's more like being trapped, which you are in that thing. <laughs> well, uh, I, uh, I was trying to think uh, about it. I didn't, I didn't really want to be in that. And I uh, assured him that I could, you know, uh, 
uh, you know, stay still for yeah. them or, you know, do whatever I needed to do. And, uh, uh, so they, you know, they let me do it without, uh, without the mask, even though I, I have it. So they, they fed me a lot of, uh, let's say pharmaceuticals to calm me down. I mean, yeah. I couldn't even get it made. I mean, as soon as it touched my face, oh, wow. like, nope, 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 I'm done. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, those three treatments were, out of all the stuff I've been through, those three treatments were the worst. I mean, because it just wasted yeah. a whole day, basically. Um, yeah. But didn't you do it, like, weren't you doing some of your treatments during football season? Uh-huh, I did. jeez. Oh, yeah. yeah, I did that with my 18 treatments, but they were pelvic region, and they didn't mess me up at all. But I can't mm-hmm. imagine. You were, you were doing that, and... Uh, that's incredible. Uh, believe me, I, I don't think I fully appreciated it at the time, uh, but um, mm. amazing. But, and you're you're clear, right? You're you don't. Uh, have... I have. Uh, it's been five years. Yep. So I don't know if you ever you know totally step away from you're right. the possibility, but uh, uh, it has been five years since uh, uh, it all occurred. So. So far, a knock on wood. Yeah. yeah, I thought I was in the clear and came roaring back. And what's interesting is yeah. my spread to my lymphatic system wasn't related to my initial spread to my bladder. That's gone. The radiation took care of that. Mm-hmm. It's took almost five years for microscopic spread to start showing up, and there it is. That's that. Yeah. I I always yeah. tell people that cancer is truly the devil's work. It mm-hmm. it uh, it's. For example, prostate cancer, uh, you turn off your testosterone. You, I mean, I'm on, I'm on what's called uh, hormone annihilation therapy, which mm. is a lovely name. Um, <laughs> and so I'm producing no testosterone, and I'm on a second chemo pill that mm-hmm. because of prostate cancer figures out how to make testosterone defeat itself. It sub, yeah. It creates a you know, an altered version of testosterone to feed itself. And this pill takes it out. But I mean, cancers can feed itself. It just, it doesn't need, my cancer doesn't need sugars or anything. It's incredible. Cancer's just, yeah. it's amazing. It's, well, it, it truly is. And it's, uh, you know, there's uh, seemingly, you know, based on some of the things that I've been told and what the doctors, uh, you know, explained to me that, uh you know, basically, it's kind of and no two cases are identical. Yep. You know, everything is just a little bit, a little bit different, and consequently needs, uh, you know, sometimes a little different treatment. So, yep, that's that's kind of where I'm at. They, every step of the way, they got to get special approval because it's kind of out of the norm. And yeah, and insurance companies and Medicare, Medicaid like to put you all in, you know, one one line of treatment, and that's not how yeah. it works. So, um, you you win this battle. Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it's kind of, uh, like I've got a lead and I'm trying to run out the clock and, uh, I'm, uh, I'm hoping somewhere along the line, they, they find the cure for this, um, for all of us, but, uh, that's, that's kind of the game. So, um, but you know, speaking of your habits of, of writing notes, I want to go back to when you were a young coach, um, in the sixties, when did you start forming these daily habits? Cause I sense that you never flipped a switch from, you know, you've admitted you weren't a great student at first. Um, and at some point you had to build up these daily habits that, that you have that kind of became who Bill Snyder is. When, when did that process start? Well, I, you know, from a process, it probably started when I was, you know, a, a very young child. 
I was, uh, uh, you know, I was a only child of a uh, divorced mother, and we lived in a uh, we lived in downtown St. Joseph, Missouri, yep. on the uh, second floor of an apartment house. Uh, one, one room, not one bedroom, just one room. And my mother worked 12 hours a day. So I was, uh, I was by myself, uh, all the time. And so I, you know, I somehow, some way learned how to organize my time and did so by, you know, identifying a daily schedule and things that I needed to do or should do or wanted to do and things that I needed to do to help my mother. Uh, so it was, you know, it just goes back a long, long ways. And uh, I've, you know, just always been that way, I think. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's been beneficial to me. Uh, because I have, you know, you, uh, I, I think beneficial, uh, yes and no, perhaps, uh, maybe I put more on my plate than I, than I should, but you know, if I can write it down, then I fit it into a schedule and away we go. So I don't know if all that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, what do you remember about, uh, I'm a person that doesn't carry a lot of memories from, you know, even five years ago, but mm-hmm. certainly 20, 40 years ago. What do you remember of the first coaching job in the early 60s? Well, uh, the first true coaching job that I had, actually I was a, I was a swimming coach when I was uh, a freshman in high school. I love that. And I coached uh, at the local YMCA, and I coached at a local country club, and I coached at a uh, 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 community uh, swim center all in uh, St. Joseph, Missouri. And I did that through... Uh, through high school, and then I, I actually uh, coached the uh, William Jewell uh, College swim team. When I went there, they didn't have a swim team, and I uh, encouraged uh, one of the physical education people to start it, and uh, she started the competitive program and asked me to help her coach, and so I, I did that. And uh, then when I left uh, William Jewell, uh, I went to Gallatin, Missouri, a very small community in uh, northwest Missouri. And, excuse me, and uh, I was at a high school. The the, uh, school district itself, K through 12, had 100 students in it. Or not quite 100, so it was wow. extremely small. But they did have a uh, uh, athletic program, and I coached uh, football, basketball, you know, whatever they had. And so that was kind of the kind of the start of all of it. So. Yeah, I, I mean that's 1962. I was born in 64. Um, mm-hmm. It 
This is going to be a strange question. As you progress through your life, do you, do you look back at those times and marvel at how much the world has changed? Well, uh, or is it kind of just technology's changed and we're all just kind of living in we're the same? Well, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think you know whether it's technology or. Uh, the way of life, uh, I think we've all changed, or I would guess, I can only speak for myself. I think I have changed to a certain degree, but uh, I think that, you know, as a lot of people would say, you know, many things do not change. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, you're, you know, who you are probably uh, is. Uh, you know, we, we'd like to think that we can change for the better, but, uh, you know, we, we still hold within us the uh, whatever our past has brought to us. You know, it still uh, it still exists. It was still there. Right. And uh, and I don't uh, you know, I don't forget those things or I try not to. I forget a lot of things, I guess, but I, I try not to. You know, forget uh, my own personal history. Uh, you know, my life centered around my uh, my mother and my grandparents uh, who raised me, and uh, you know the things that uh, that took place from an early age, and and I can relate back to them from time to time, and uh, you know, and and I'm glad I'm still at a point where I can recall, you know, those. Uh, those things because they're, uh, they're, they're great reminders for me, uh, from time to time and brings back, uh, you know, as I said, a lot of memories. A lot of memories. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm just absolutely amazed at how you just, well, first of all, every time I see you, you're still in a suit and tie coach. You can relax a little bit. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, the last, I believe, two times we've seen each other have been at memorials or funerals. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. A lot of that going on. I mean, um, yeah. I was just reminded of Ernie's passing. Becky dropped by their house to, or their condo. to. Um, they had, you know, kind of an estate thing going. And she mm -hmm. found um, on Ernie's desk uh, the award PowerCat Illustrated back in 99, our very first year, gave him as Athletics Administrator of the Year. Uh -huh. And I thought, that's just so Ernie. He's had that on his desk for you know 25 years. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. I, I already miss him, and I hadn't seen him in a while, but what, a, what an incredible human being he was and Jack Veneer was. And it's, mm -hmm. it's an amazing generation that changed K-State forever. Well, you know, and Kansas State has been very fortunate because of uh, people like that. Uh, you know, I think uh, if it, uh, you know, you mentioned Jack and Jack and his family. If it wasn't for Jack, uh, none of it would have happened. Right. And uh, Ernie was a disciple of Jack's, and uh, and he, you know, carried out uh, Jack's. Uh, Jack's wishes and could do so. And he had a passion for it as well. And it was so meaningful for him. And Ernie could have been anywhere. Uh, he could have gone a lot of places, but he, 
you know, he chose to stay here and made Kansas State athletics a, uh, you know, a project, uh, a lifelong project yep. for himself, and 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 his wife Bonnie. Uh, you know, Bonnie, uh, you know, stayed in the background, but but Bonnie was very very meaningful. Uh, in that respect, and she was very beneficial, and she's meant a lot to Kansas State University. Sometimes gets uh, gets overlooked, Absolutely. but there was uh, a couple of amazing people. Absolutely. Um, so you arrive um, in in eighty eight, and you you look around. And you, you, it's easy to assess. I mean, I was around then that there's a lot of things to do here. Um, now, I've known Jack and Donna. I knew them a very long time. I know their children, of course. And I mean, they're Brookville based. They were and I grew up in Salina. And um, so I've known Jack, you know, most of my adult life. And he's very unassuming. Let's put this be blunt. When you meet Jack Veneer, you have no idea there's that level of wealth. Because exactly. he's such a humble, he was such a humble, beautiful person, kind, but uh, a horrible dresser. I mean, he was wearing his, his <laughs> starter jacket well after it was out of fashion. Um, uh, when you first met Jack, did what, what was that like? I mean, did you think this guy's a, got this kind of financial backing? You know, it's just a, it, he always amazed me. He's just he was incredible. What did you think uh, of him? I I loved him from the outset. Absolutely, uh, he was he was truly a special individual. And he, when I first went to Kansas State University, I didn't know Jack. I and I uh, knew uh, very little at all about the family. Uh, Bob Krause had uh, was basically the one responsible for hiring me there. So uh, I knew the family through. Uh, through Bob to begin with, but uh, I got to know Jack, and uh, he and Donna became dear friends. And uh, he was, you know, he was just uh, that amazing fellow. As you say, uh, you know, I I don't ever remember Jack uh, in uh, anything other than a you know a flannel shirt <laughs> uh, and uh, an old pair of pants. Uh, looked like he'd just come off of the off the farm, which is exactly what he had done. And he was, uh, you know, he was just, a, and, and he always wanted to help. Yep. And uh, he uh, came to me uh, and uh, asked if he could, you know, what he could do to help. And I really didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't want anybody to have to, you know, carry, carry the burden. And, uh, there was a, uh, in fact, <laughs> there was a, uh, Steve Miller was the athletic director at time at the time. And the, uh, the program, uh, was in debt and there was a need for, for, uh, we had needs, you know, in our football program and Steve would constantly have to explain to me that we didn't have the money and we couldn't do it. And, uh, so I told, uh, I told Steve, okay, I'll pay for it. 
Oh. I didn't. Ha- I I truly didn't have money. You know, it was about a hundred thousand dollars. I didn't have it, but I told him I would pay for it, and I would have gone out and uh, sought a loan of some sorts. You know, to to do it because uh, I I was just that invested in it. I I knew you know what was needed, or I thought I did, and uh, that embarrassed Steve. And Steve said, okay, somehow, some way, we'll get this done. And he went to Jack Veneer, and Jack came to see me and said, what do you need? What do you want? We'll do it. And that was uh, uh, kind of how the, you know, from a financial standpoint, it all started. He and his family have been, you know, as I said, just uh, above and way beyond beyond that, they were dear dear friends and family. When when anything starts to grow, you kind of redo things, you rebuild buildings, and what became the veneer complex has been rebuilt many times. Um, but as long as I'm alive, nobody's ever going to say, well, this donor just gave money. We're going to rename the building. No way. No, no. You're going to go through me on that one until my dying yeah. day. True story. And, and somewhere, somewhere there is a contract that says that. Good. I don't know where it is right now, but but I made sure that that was that that was part of it. That's that's spectacular. Uh, I when you finally decided to come K State, you you were in your late forties, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, I think so. Mm-hmm. this this was that's the point in your life when you're like, oh, you know, I'm I kind of <laughs> like this offensive coordinator thing. Um, mm-hmm. So when you committed to do it and the story of you taking the job is, you know, it's just amazing um, because why? And everyone told you why. Um, mm-hmm. But you did just say, well, if I'm going to do this, it's it's everything. I'm putting everything into this, which everyone should. But you literally did, as as you mentioned, with mm-hmm. your financial commitment, that was um, my wife would have beaten me to death at that point. <laughs> uh, so, um, I mean. That's how you had to approach it, right? If you were going to do Kansas State football, and I don't think any of the younger fans can appreciate how bad it was, um, you had to go all in, didn't you? There was no 99%ing this. It was 100% all in. Well, true story. And it, uh, you know, and I had not. Uh, you know, I'd been through the Iowa program, and the Iowa program, uh, we'd been there for 10 years. And when Hayden took the position there, the, the program was in dire straits. But nothing compared to what Kansas <laughs> State was like. And uh, some of the things that, you know, that I really didn't necessarily realize, it wouldn't uh, those things that I didn't know about would not have altered my my opinion, you know, whatsoever and my decision to come. But I do remember it. I mean, even Steve, as the athletic director, was was embarrassed, you know, when when he uh, he invited me to come uh, interview for the program, and I told uh, I told him no. Uh, I, I wasn't sure how he got a hold of my name, but I think he had gone through, you know, seeing what programs had advanced over the years. And uh, so he called me, and I didn't know Steve, and I said, I appreciate it, but I can't do that. 
I'm happy here at Iowa. And he called again and again. And I continued to say no. And one day in Iowa City, Iowa, he knocks on the door. I mean, the doorbell rang and I opened the door and there's a gentleman there that I have no clue who he is. And it's Steve Miller. And he had flown in and came and sat down and he said, he asked me after he'd been there for about 10 minutes, he said, do you have a spare bedroom upstairs? (laughs) And I said, "Uh, why do you ask? And he said, because I'm not leaving here until you say yes, that you will come and visit our university. And so, you know, I thought, well, that's, uh, yeah, I like this, you know, his approach. So I said, yes, I will do it. And But I said, you know, I am uh, quite certain that I will not take the job. And he said, that's not what we're talking about. He said, we're just talking about you coming to visit. And so I did. And when I when I got on campus, there were uh, I asked uh, Steve to show me around, and uh, there were places he would not take me. Smart, you know. He <laughs> in the where the football office was, he wouldn't take me over there. <laughs> he wouldn't take me into the locker room, <laughs> and he was just, you know, embarrassed uh, by it all. But you know, it was uh, it was interesting, and uh, I what I appreciated at the time uh, were all of the people he had. Uh, and Steve's a great organizer, and he had put together uh, oh uh, you know where the uh, legends room is right, right. now yep. he had invited people to come and uh, to introduce to me, and that whole area was full, so there's hundred plus people in there. And there's, you know, professors and instructors and coaches and people from the community, et cetera, et cetera. I can't remember all all of them. And he wanted to introduce all of those. And and John Weefald wanted to... uh, wanted to visit, and so we, we I visited with him, and I don't remember all the things that uh, that took place, but uh, it was, uh, you know, it was just a, a dynamic event, so to speak, and uh, I I told John, I said, you know, I would like to go out on the campus. I'd like to have somebody take me out on the campus and just leave me. And John quizzed me back and forth, you know, why do you want to do that, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, well, I just want to see the campus. And so they got a nice young lady that uh, put me in an automobile and drove me on campus, let me off. And I said, I'll meet you right here in one hour. And I walked around the campus and uh, stopped people and visited. That's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to visit with people that were on the campus. So most of them were students, but there were professors and visitors to the campus, uh, employees of the campus, etc. And I would stop people and I, and I wouldn't tell them why I was there. 
and I would just ask about Kansas State University and the community of Manhattan and, you know, just a variety of different questions. And uh, after an hour, the young lady <clears throat> came back, picked me up, took me back to Veneer. Uh, or not Veneer, but uh, uh, Bramlage. And uh, indicated, uh, uh, you know, for took me back to where the uh, everybody had been gathering, and I went back, and uh, everybody was still there, and I uh, got, went to John Weefald and pulled him aside, and I said, uh, "I'm interested." And he said, "What changed your mind?" And I said, the people. Yep. And that was the that was the essence of it all. You know, I just that time on campus meeting all those people and just listening to them talk about the university, talk about, you know, how they interacted as students, as faculty, as, you know, uh, people that uh, had some connection with the university it was really impressive to me. So long story, but that's how it happened. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Absolutely incredible. And, you know, I think as you look back, um, you know, on it, it, anytime you're building an organization, whether it's a university football program or just a business, you kind of need the right people. They just got to be there. And, you, you know, you mentioned John Weefold and Steve Miller. And um, I think it was Jim Epps who found you in a media guide. <clears throat> That's how that led exactly. to the um, right. Ernie. Um, you know, Frank Trace mixing in there and Pat Bosco. There was just a convergence of goodness, of vision, and also of doers. It's easy to have a vision, but it's a lot more difficult to go do the damn thing. And you guys did the damn thing. It's, it is one of the most remarkable stories in all of college athletics. And thank you for all K-Staters for, for doing it because you literally changed – you didn't change a football program. You, you did, but that's not all you did. You changed the entire university and community and state and coach it. it, it you, you're a football coach, but so much more. Thank you. Well, yeah, thank you. It was very kind of you. But as I said, uh, you know, a lot of <clears throat> genuine, caring people that uh, that extends, you know, throughout the university, uh, alumni, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, just people that genuinely care and people that are so genuine. And I mean, that's uh, one of the most impressive things to me is that uh, the genuine, caring people and loyal. 
uh, you know, you look at the people around you, and I stayed for a long time, but you look around and, you know, there's tons of people. We're getting ready to uh, go to an event for Amy Renz tonight. Yep. Incredible yep. person. Yep. Amy stayed here 43, 43 years. She could, she could be any place in this country. Uh, doing what she does, yep. I mean, she is that good, and yet she stayed right here in Manhattan, Kansas. I, I'm pretty, pretty sure special. she doesn't know this, but she's on my list of people to, to call for this podcast because mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, she's such a um, behind the scenes in some ways and out front in others, but humble person that yes. I think all of us tend to overlook her because she's not in the limelight all the time. <clears throat> but what she did was with the alumni association again, was incredible. Yeah, um, truly. You mentioned Jack's generosity. And when I, when I came to the conclusion in 1997, um, I was working for a jerk and it was a small company and working for mm-hmm. a jerk, um, small company, huge <laughs> compared to what I have now, but you know, I'm like, if, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this on my own. Uh, the Morrison family uh, in in Salina and the Veneer family were, mm-hmm. were two of the first ones to step forward and say, "Yeah, I will, um, I will invest in your business." And mm-hmm. you know, I, I ended up with I think nine, ten investors total, which you know, in hindsight, didn't total much money, but it sure as heck got us rolling. Um, and not one of those people have ever, including Jack, who certainly had mm-hmm. the weight to do it, called me up and said, "Why'd you do this? Why'd you do? Why don't you do this?" Not one of those investors has done that. They just turned me loose and yeah. let me do it. And I mean, that I, I look back and what a blessing. What what? Yeah. But it's a, it, and again, Jack helped me get going in '98, um, uh, but. 98 turned out to be a pretty good football season. I don't know if you remember that football season, uh, but you, you, you had a pretty good team. Uh, so that really helped. Um, but before I get into that, I want to, I want to back up and ask you a really strange question. Cause there's, there's a meaning to this. Have you seen the new movie air about, I haven't uh, yet, but uh, I I hope to do so. Everything you just talked about is also the story of Sonny Vaccaro and, and Nike and what he did um, mm-hmm. uh, in in the eighties. And first yeah. of all, I, it was an eighties soundtrack, so they had me right there. It's just filled mm-hmm. with eighties music. Uh, but um, Nike was a distant third. You know, it was it was mm-hmm. a laughing stock. Nobody wanted to right. be there. It, it was it's an incredible story. But he went around um, like Steve Miller did uh, and went directly. Just showed up at their house. Um, Sonny yeah. Vaccaro was in North Carolina, showed up at the Jordans' house, which was a bad thing. And the, the conversation you recounted reminded me so much of that conversation uh, with Sonny Vaccaro and the and his and Michael Jordan's mother. Um, yeah. That it, it's kind of it's wild. It was a it was a fascinating time because we were coming out of um, you know it was like technology was just hitting. You know, there's a there's a scene in the movie where he's got a rental car that has a phone in it. You know, those one of those huge old eighties phones. <laughs> but yeah, it just brought back great memories and I think you'd really enjoy it. It's a really, really good movie and reflects so much of what you built at Kansas State and what Nike became. It's, yeah. it's incredible. Well, I I got to know the Nike owner uh, way back. Yep. Uh, when they used to have, uh, they used to have a Nike trip. You know, we were a Nike school. Yeah, I forgot about that. Became a Nike school, and they had these wonderful trips. And I got to know Phil 
uh, quite well, and we'd communicate back and forth. And I, I loved the story, you know, and uh, talking about, you know, selling selling shoes out of the trunk of his car, and uh, just amazing, amazing yep. thing. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, you know, and and if people don't know that Steve Miller, who hired you, mm-hmm. went on right. to work at Nike, so uh, incredible. He went from here to Nike, and uh, he, uh, you know, had a uh, had a great following there. I mean, uh, yep. Nike, Phil, and the people there really enjoyed Steve. Yeah, appreciated him a great deal. Yep. And Steve's a very outgoing guy. So oh yeah. He's kind of, personality-wise fit in quite well. Um, another incredible human being. Um, let, let, you come to K-State, and this is another thing that when I talk to young K-State fans who don't recall those early teams and certainly, you know, what Chad May meant for the program, mm-hmm. um, uh, but I, they're always fascinated or blown away, I guess is a better way, when I tell them, well, you know, Coach Snyder didn't come in with the quarterback run game necessarily. He was running essentially a spread with Chad May five wide playing in the mm-hmm. the big eight. Um, and it was essentially the spread, right? He just wasn't called that. Um, well, uh, it was in a variety of different ways because we, you know, we did I, you know we spread them out and uh, we ran with you know two backs one back and zero backs and uh, it was but you know so much of it had been built up over the years uh, we did a little bit of that at Iowa uh, not a great deal of it uh, and it was all about personnel right we just didn't uh, our personnel here fit those schemes you know a lot better than uh uh, probably anything else that right. we could have uh, we could have gotten into. Yeah. You weren't going to power running game through Oklahoma, Nebraska, and no, we Colorado, <laughs> and all the good big teams. You weren't going to do that. Well, uh, we didn't have the people up front. I, you know, we were we were playing with uh, you know 185 pound offensive linemen. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were. Uh, it was it was somewhat somewhat painful, and we only hit we hit uh, uh, forty. That's when you could have uh, at that time. I think you could have ninety five on scholarship. It had just come down from a hundred and some, and we had forty five players on scholarship Jeez. at the time. So we we were less than fifty percent scholarship, you know, at the at the time, and it was. Uh, uh, and we didn't have very much, very many more than that, you know, in the program, period. You know, so just, you know, organizing practices was difficult, you know, at the yeah. time. And it was, uh, anyway, it was, uh, it was kind of amusing. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a traumatic period. I mean, you, a lot of guys left in that first spring. Um, yeah. um, and you, you had to do that. Uh, but you did it without the portal. You did it without, you know, the, how? I guess I'm skipping ahead on my list here, but transfer portal, NIL, let alone the what happened in the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel fortunate you ducked out before all that? All this, this, these are seismic changes in college football. Well, it's you know, it's a little, it's frightening to me. You know, I think they'll get through it. And they'll. Uh, 
they know the answer right now. It's just, you know, if the NC2A will step up and huh. uh, and put themselves in a position where, you know, they have to fight some battles, uh, you know, they uh, lawsuits are will be imminent, you know, when they try to make some changes. But nevertheless, it's, uh, you know, my concern about it as much as anything is uh, the value system that it uh, impacts, you know, with with young people. Yep. You know, we're, you know, we've always tried to, and I would like to think that it's still, you know, a prominent value is loyalty and commitment uh, are significant and it, uh, you know, it, uh, destroys, you know, those, those concepts. I mean, uh, it tells you it's okay not to be loyal. It's okay not to make a commitment. You know, you come to Kansas state university and, or uh, university X, Y, or Z, and uh, you don't like the food, uh, on the table. So you get on a bus and go to another school immediately. Yep. And everybody says, hey, it's okay. But, you know, in, in all reality, it, uh, it, it goes against a, a value system that I think is significant. And, and that is that one of uh, commitment and, and loyalty. Yeah. And things aren't easy. They, you, no. you, you run into stuff all the time in your life that um, it, if you choose to quit, that's a way to deal with it. But yeah. if you... You know, it, it, cliche, but if you're the buffalo and decide to walk into the storm to get through it, that's a hard lesson to learn. And um, I feel like we're we're telling a lot of people nowadays, you don't need that. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Just, just go do something else. Change whatever. Um, exactly. You're fine. And you're, you're right. Um, and there, there's huge ramifications yeah. if that becomes part of society. Um, but so you were running that spread. I just that was a. I don't know how I steered off into that. Um, but you're running the spread-ish type. Matt Miller comes in and layers in a little bit more running game. Another guy. God, I, that's one of those memorial services we saw each other at. Um, mm -hmm. And um, then you see Michael, Michael Bishop. Um, people wanted him to come as a safety, but you wanted him as a quarterback. What can you tell me about your first inkling when you saw the film of Mike and what he was at Blinn Junior College and what you thought he could be at, at this level? Well, that was, I mean, it was very easy. You didn't have to watch very, very long. I mean, he was, uh, uh, he was a, a, really a talented athlete. Uh, I thought it would be, you know, extremely difficult to get Michael to uh, Kansas State. And uh, I was, excited, you know, to learn that, you know, everyone wanted him. He was, he was a quarterback where he was, and uh, everybody wanted him as a uh, – uh, some wanted him as a receiver. Most of them wanted him as a defensive back, you know, because he was had good speed, but and he was physical, and he was talented. Uh, but he was, he was ideal for what we wanted at Kansas State University. I mean, he was a perfect fit. And that's that's the reason Michael came here, because we gave him uh, the opportunity to be in the position that he wanted to be in, to play 
at quarterback and other schools were not uh, uh, initially weren't willing to do that you know then a lot of schools changed when they realized what uh, uh, and told him that he could play quarterback and uh, but he I think he trusted uh, the honesty of uh, of our program and our commitment to him in that respect. So it worked out great. Yeah. Needless to say. Um, and he, and he finally got into the hall of fame. Um, yes. Yeah. And you that fought was, for a, that, that didn't was a you? hard process. I most certainly did. And he, he really, uh, and he was, you know, he was taken back by not ever getting in and he'd been nominated uh, several times and and when he and I talked about it he had been nominated you have to wait two years between nominations and I had nominated him the previous year and so I couldn't nominate him the year that he had asked me about it and so the next year uh, it was re-nominated again and that was the time that uh, they accepted it. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it's called the Wildcat for a reason, and you can point mm-hmm. to Michael Bishop. Exactly. That's the Wildcat right there. That's the dude. True story. Um, and, uh, you know, I there's a couple moments in my career that are connected to what you did at Kansas State. I had left the traditional newspaper business in 1995 to start a magazine uh, mm-hmm. for the Wichita Eagle. Um, and I'm sitting in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, Nippert Stadium, which is now a Big 12 stadium, starting this fall, um, watching your team stink it up at Cincinnati. Um, and when on the la- uh, last second play, um, Miller to lock it, I'll never forget it. Because um, I'm sitting at that game, what what have I done to my career? Why am I, this, this is going to be bad. And then they win. Um, and the other one I remember so well is, um, again, sitting in a road press box, this one at Northern Illinois, and Michael Bishop takes the ball down the sideline, and I'm like, oh, this is different. This, this is something I haven't seen with Kansas State football in my entire life. Um, it, it, those are two just such firm memories in my head. But also with the Cincinnati game, you had just won. Um, and I don't remember many games where you were more angry when the media came to talk to you after a game than that one. You were so disappointed and just mad about how your team had played for most of that game and found a way to win. But that wasn't important. And that's when I knew you were different. It wasn't about the wins and losses as much about how are we getting what are we doing? How are we taking care of our business? Yeah. Um, and because they didn't, they won, but they didn't really take care of their business, did they? Yeah, that's that's so true. You know, when that, which takes me back to the very first day that that I was here as uh, as a head coach, very first time that I met with with our players, and I I told you there was you know it was a. There were twice as many seats that I had set up as there were players, <laughs> and so. But I took, and it was at the, uh, it was at the complex, and I the old one, and I had the players uh, go out on the field with me, and I had uh, someone I don't remember who at the time uh, turn on the scoreboard. 
and scoreboard lights, uh, different than the one they have we Sorry. have now. And I told the players, I said, I, I want you to look at the scoreboard, and I want you to understand that what happens on that scoreboard is not of interest to me. What's significant to me is, and then I went on to explain, uh, you know, how they lived their lives, how they played the game, you know, how they took care of each other and uh, in a variety of different just intrinsic values that were important. And I, and I really didn't want them to have to feel the pressure of having to win. And it was, uh, uh, you know, it was just my approach to yeah. it was a little different. And, and the reason was because I knew, in all honesty, I knew they weren't. Yeah. You know, we, uh, you know, you, everybody says we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to win. But, uh, you know, it's a feeling that you have to have that positive attitude. My attitude was positive, but it, but I was realistic in understanding that, no, it was going to take a little while. And all I wanted to do was get better. And that's what I told them on the field, that they, I just want you to be better tomorrow when you're out here than uh, you are right now. And then the following day, I want you to be better in all aspects of your life and certainly on the football field. And that's how you'll be judged, not by what the school board says. Yeah, it, it really did take that. I mean, to just just keep grinding and grinding and, you know, a couple things that um, you have always said that always stick with me and just get a little bit better. Just every day, just keep going forward. And that's so significant for everyone and everything they do. Um, but also, I always have loved the quote, um, your description of Kansas State football, that it, you know, didn't rise out of the sand like Las Vegas. It, mm-hmm. it, it you know, you start off with one in 10 and a miraculous one victory and how it took place. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to Cincinnati, just shorter pass, but kind of mm-hmm. same, same concept. Um then you go five and six in 1990, and I remember thinking that was the most incredible thing after what we'd been through <clears throat> for a stretch of time at Kansas State. Um, I'm working in, in Salina, Kansas um, at, the, at the journal there, and, um, you know, I, I had been on campus in 82 when they went to the first bowl game, uh, but then mm-hmm. it dropped off, and it was just pure misery. Uh, then seven and four in ninety one, but you you couldn't qualify for a bowl. You they turned down the waiver. It's so stupid. But uh, anyhow, ninety two you go five and six, and I and I'm telling you, coach, I, I think in most circumstances, in the current environment of impatient um, administrators and fans, you would have been fired at most schools after going seven and four and five and six, despite where you started. Right. Um, but it took five years, nine two and one, and off you went. Um, and, and still there was a building process in there that, uh, when you, you just stare at the records, it's just absolutely incredible what transpired. Uh, but it took a long time to, um, honestly tear down the structure and rebuild it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think most coaches would, would survive that process now, either on their own, just that can't do this anymore or 
the administration says, look, this ain't working and move on. Um, it, they were patient with you, weren't they? Well, you know, they <clears throat> they were. And I think, like I said, I think Bob Krause, uh, you know, had uh, an awful lot to uh, do with that. <clears throat> the, uh, uh, you know, just and, and I think part of it was because of, you know, he was uh, as responsible as anybody for me being here. And uh, so he, I think he felt some responsibility, you know, for it as well. But uh, he, you know, he fought the battle with us, and I always appreciated Bob for uh, for that. But it, uh, you know, Kansas State was not in a position to fire. I mean, they hadn't won five games in thirty years, yep. and so it was. Uh, uh, you know, realistically, in any way, it was uh, uh, it, it made no sense to you know to pull the plug. Absolutely, you know already. And plus, the fact that uh, uh, they they couldn't afford anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, you know, eventually the program you do get into your your corner, and you you hire a guy, and you finally say when you see any hope that's the guy and honestly that's happening at kansas right now i'm a big fan of lance leipold um mm-hmm. i i see you know it's a, it's a different time uh, again fans don't appreciate kansas football despite the issues they've had over the past umpteen years is in better shape than kansas state was in in 88 just light years ahead um yeah. but lance has that same thing. He's running an offense that makes his team, you know, adapts to his deficiencies by turning them into strengths. Um, and, and now Sean's gone to work for them, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, is, is, is amazing because he gets, he's now working can't stay, but he gets to stay close to home. But I got to ask you the first time you saw your son in that Jayhawk polo, that had to be jarring. Cause it was jarring for me. It was like, what, 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 <laughs> Well, you know, it's uh, uh, Sean had to have a job. Yeah, yep. I mean, uh, and and people there have treated him extremely well. They're good people over there. But it was, uh, you know, the the, 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 the there were no options. Let me put it that way. But uh, they have, as I said, they have treated him so well, and I think he's uh, he's doing well there. And Sean's a Sean's a, a very uh, highly successful, you know, special teams coordinator, and he he's not on the field there yet. Uh, but uh, you know, as soon as they have uh, the space, and there's the NC2A is uh, supposed to. No, I take that back. The NC2A apparently in the past few days has uh, passed a rule where you can have an additional coach on the field. Really? And so Sean now is on the field, if, I, if I've if i got that correct. So, but uh, he's, uh, yeah, they've, they've treated him well, and he's, uh, he's awful good at what he does. You know, you look around and see, I mean, after all, it was uh, – uh, NC2A special teams coordinator of the year yep. a couple of times and uh, conference special teams coach of the year several times and uh, you know he's just uh, just awful good at what he does. Yep, he uh, 
their special teams will be better. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And um, yeah, I, I just I'm I'm a fan of Lance Leipold, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, that might make K State fans like what? No, I just think he's a really good coach, and he does it the right way. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's it, and he and he does, and he's a he's a good person. You know, I yep. haven't gotten to know him very well. But uh, from what I know up to this point in time and with dialogue I have had with him, he seems like a nice man. One final question before I let you go. Um, Shortly after retiring, our mutual friend D. Scott Fritchin wrote a book um, summing up, you know, your career. It was your Mm -hmm. right. How do I put this? You you gave him the information. You read from your your personal diary, which is remarkable. And Fritz did an incredible job with the book. Uh, how important was that to have that book written by D. Scott? Well, uh, I it was not really. Uh, in fact, I told Scott no several times uh, that I, you know, appreciated, but really didn't want to. But he was pretty persistent, and uh and and it was uh, i did it because of him you know because he's just uh just a good person and i enjoyed him a great deal and uh it was it was an easy process you know we just sat down and talked and uh he did uh you know he put it all together and uh like i say i don't know how significant it is and uh but uh you know it 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 has uh, it has had an impact on, you know, I receive a, a lot of notes and uh, <clears throat> correspondence about it. And it has had, uh, you know, I think a positive impact on uh, a number of people and uh, anything you can do to help others. That's a good thing. So, yeah, but, uh, but Scott's good. Scott's a good man. Yep. He certainly is. And he's a brilliant writer. And um, the, I'm, that book is, um, so important that it's now in the, in the library, so to speak, it's mm-hmm. in the realm that people can go read it and, and understand what everything, and now I got to get Fritz to write a book about the entire building process. And that again is mm-hmm. from watching air. I'm like, this is so much like what Kansas state did. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so, well, coach, I've taken enough of your time. I uh, appreciate it so much. I love you. Um, I appreciate yeah, your support you. through the years and, um, uh, I'm glad uh, you haven't taken to building birdhouses or golfing. <laughs> well, no, they're, they're I, have, I, I have three sets of golf clubs. <laughs> Colbert. And I... <laughs> uh, and they're packed away in the garage. Yep. So I... Uh, about two months ago or so, I took one bag out and I set it by the front door to <laughs> remind me... Uh, that I needed to go play. And then about two weeks ago, I took it back into the garage <laughs> and put it with the other. So. Don't fall for it, coach. It's a cult. Don't do it. Exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank uh, you, yeah. coach. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it, Fitz. You take good care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye now. I'm going to be really honest here. I thought I would take about 40 minutes of Coach Snyder's time, and I thought that was a lot to ask. But when an hour started to approach, I thought, i got to stop this. We could go for hours, which would have been great for me personally, but not great for a podcast. Coaches and 
man in his 80s. And he still is so clear of thought, still has his sense of humor, and is just a wonderful person. I personally have been blessed by his presence in my life, but I think we all realize that everyone associated with Kansas State University was blessed by his arrival in the state of Kansas in the late 1980s. He changed the entire trajectory of this community and university. Amazing. And he's still going strong, even in retirement. He seems to be at peace with retirement, which honestly surprises me. Ben, remember, please get your PSA checked. Don't be like our friend Matt Miller that didn't see it coming because he was too young for a PSA score and dead before 50. I miss Matt. I love Matt. Do it for Matt. Go get that PSA scored. Thanks, folks. I'll talk to you real soon. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian Pigeon Mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.